The Lot Teaser Making serious a lot easier This podcast is powered by Faria de Oliveira Advogados Law Firm Women's March. We have a surprise for you. March is Women's History Month, so this month we'll be talking about and honoring women who made a difference in the world and fought to give meaning to words like freedom, equality, and justice. First of all, Women's History Month which is observed in the US, UK and Australia in March, began because of the International Women's Day on March the 8th, which was officially commemorated in 1975 by the United Nations and two years later was recognized by the UN. In the US, changes came with the Women's History Week movement in the 70s and in the 80s, more precisely in 87, the Congress officially celebrated the first Women's History Month. What was the purpose? To celebrate women's achievements, but at the same time look critically at equality and opportunities for women, as well as to educate people on women's history. Let's begin with a group of women, the own and only, the Suffragettes. They were part of a militant women's organizations in the early 20th century in order to conquer the right to vote in public elections. Yes, before this movement, women were not allowed to vote. However, we will focus on the Pankhurst family because the term suffragette refers to the Women's Social and Political Union, WSPU, founded by Emmeline Pankhurst in 1903, a women-only movement. Emmeline Pankhurst was a British political activist and contributed for achieving women's suffrage in the United Kingdom, a constitutional right under the rule of law. Seen as disobedient and violent, yes, because they would physically fight for this right and go through hunger strikes, they were the beginning of something much bigger. This movement spread all over the world and finally, in the UK, the Representation of the People Act in 1918 granted women over 30 the right to vote. But 10 years later, women gained electoral equality when they were able to vote at age 21 with the Equal Franchise Act in 1928. The coolest part is that Emmeline Pankhurst involved her whole family, especially her daughters in this movement, all suffragettes, where her oldest one, Christabel Pankhurst, took the leadership of WSPU. In fact, all of them received repeated prison sentences. Even her husband, barrister Richard Pankhurst, was a big supporter of their cause. Ah, what a family! For more info, watch the BBC 2018 documentary Emmeline Pankhurst, Making of a Militant.
We were not expecting this in 2020. You know the Rothschild family, the super trooper wealthy Jewish noble banking family, originally from Frankfurt back in the 16th century? So the Rothschild heir filed a lawsuit against Vienna, Austria, on the grounds of allegedly perpetuating Nazi decrees by plundering the Jewish banking family business. This is a serious accusation and one of the largest restitution lawsuits by descendants of victims of the Nazi regime. This case is about a 1905 110 million euros charitable trust, more precisely the Nathaniel von Rothschild Foundation for Mentally Ill. His heir is accusing Vienna of selling its assets at a grossly undervalued prices as well as altering its deeds in order to make the city the only beneficiary of its assets. Reason why Vienna is accused of extending this 1938 seizing as well as, quote, annihilating Nathaniel Rothschild legacy. Back in 1938, the Nazi regime confiscated Austrian Rothschild trust assets, granted themselves share of its assets, and the remaining was given to the Viennese government. The charter which created this foundation proves that it was under a board of 12 trustees' management. Nine of those were Rothschild family members. Even though the trust was reactivated in the 50s, the trusteeships were given to nominees of Vienna. Anyways, Austria is already used to reparation claims. Remember Klimt's painting, The Women in Gold? It was stolen from the Blockbauer family by the Nazis in 1941. After years in court, in 2006, the painting returned to the family, but was later sold for $135 million. Let's see what will happen here. It's my party and I'll do what I want to. The United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that YouTube may control what its users post, not violating the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. A nonprofit educational and media organization, Prager University, sued YouTube and its parent company Google because YouTube's placed their videos under restricted mode, and by doing so, its terms of use allegedly violated the First Amendment and statements on free expression were false advertisement. First of all, what does the First Amendment grant? That the Congress shall protect the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, the right to assemble and the right to petition the government. So how come can YouTube be exempt here? The court said that YouTube is a private entity, aka is not a state actor, subject to the First Amendment. This court quoted the Supreme Court argument in the Manhattan Access Corp versus Halleck that, quoting, merely hosting speech by others is not a traditional exclusive public function and does not alone transform private entities into state actors. Even though YouTube acts as a public-facing platform 
and performs a public function, it does not make it an organ of state or a public forum. Regarding the claims on false advertising, content moderation policies are not considered commercial advertising or promotion. Interesting, right? Sir, you are no longer allowed to ask that. The New York Bar Association has announced that its applications will no longer inquire about people's mental health. Why? It wants to protect law students who are going through depression, anxiety, or other mental health issues and do not look for help for fearing that by doing so it would challenge their bar admission. As feared by 45% of law students, as discovered by the American Bar Association, as well as 42% of law students are in need of mental and emotional care. The question was quite long and considered unnecessary. Do you currently have any condition or impairment including but not limited to a mental, emotional, psychiatric, nervous or behavioral disorder or condition or an alcohol, drug or other substance abuse condition or impairment or gambling addiction, which in any way impairs or limits your ability to practice law? Wow. We ask ourselves, is law school that traumatizing? Mmm, pretty much. We like to keep you updated. Jay-Z is filing a second lawsuit against the Mississippi Department of Corrections, this time along with Yo Gotti. Both American rappers are concerned about the safety of inmates due to the fact that nine inmates have been killed as a result of prison violence at the Parchment Prison since the beginning of the year. On what grounds? Understaffed, underfunding, perilling living conditions, contaminated food, lack of adequate health care, all violating the 8th and 14th Amendments. If you remember our What You Gonna Do When They Come For You episode, Jay-Z filed a lawsuit in January of this year on the same grounds as this one. But this time is a class action lawsuit on behalf of 152 inmates, where words like barbaric, miserable and abhorrent were used. We'll stay tuned. That was it! Hope you enjoyed the legal issues of last week. TLT is excited to see you next Monday. Always making serious a lot easier.